how y'all doing today? We want to welcome Christian Fellowship Church, those that are here. We got 10 people in the building today, and that's what we're legally can have. We're glad to have them here. Glad to see everyone watching online. Uh, just got a few announcements we want to make this morning as we get ready to get started. Again, just want to welcome everyone and thank you for watching online, joining with us. Uh, I know, again, I know there's many other programs on TV and things you could be watching, but if you chose us, we thank you and uh, thank you for that. Uh, we, we do want to say we're missing everyone. Uh, it's not the same when no one's here. Uh, we love, I love Sunday mornings being able to see all Christian Fellowship family members. We're trying to keep up with everybody as much as we can with phone calls and Facebook and things like that. So uh, again, we miss you. We love you. We'll get through this together and hopefully uh, the in I think our, our quarantine's until the end of April. So in May, hopefully, May uh, first Sunday in May, we'll be able to all be back together here. Amen. So again, we're just going to be continuing our message entitled, As the World Turns. Um, uh, this week's uh, uh, thing with Palm Sunday is Jesus, My King. Uh, entitled this, throughout this whole coronavirus mess that we're going through, As the World Turns, because it's it's like your story, you know. It's, it doesn't seem real. It seems like we're in the middle of a storybook. Uh, uh, things are happening. But uh, as the world changes, there's one thing that we could be sure of, that God never changes and his promises are true. Amen. So just uh, want to inform you, please, uh, if you're watching this, actually, you're naturally on Facebook uh, watching. But keep up to date with all church information on Christian Fellowship Church uh, Facebook page. Uh, don't just wait for things to come into your news feed. Actually go to Christian Fellowship Church page and you'll be able to uh, see the latest announcements. If you're just waiting for your news feed, you may be getting stuff that's old and things like that. So actually go to the church page and keep up with that. We're uh, still making CDs of the services. Uh, so if you need a CD, you could uh, stop by the office and pick them up. Uh, offices will be open Monday through Wednesday. Uh, from Monday, I'm sorry. Monday only from 9 to 2. Uh, we're kind of in and out uh, other times, but uh, church secretary will be there Monday from 9 to 2 to take care of all the bills and things like that. Uh, again, uh, our New Generations Children's Church uh, is going to be uh, posting at 1 o'clock this afternoon their uh, Children's Church uh, program for, uh, on, on Facebook. And is it going to be on the church page or just New Generations? Uh, okay, it'll be shared to the church page also besides New Generation. So we don't want the kids to miss out on their Sunday routine. So here's the plan. You get them all together now. You worship with us now. Then you take a lunch break, and at 1 o'clock you get them all together again and get in front of the uh, computer and uh, watch the children's church, New Generations there. Uh, just again, want to say happy birthday anniversary uh, to all those having birthdays and anniversaries this week. Uh, those watching for the first time, we welcome you. Those that are watching uh, uh, that wish you could be here, again, we welcome you to be watching today. So what we're going to do is uh, just get ready for our tithes and offerings. Um, I just want to share with you a couple of things here. Uh, how, how you still could pay your tithes and offerings uh, this week uh, throughout this time. Uh, if you put up the next slide there, Brother Darren. Uh, you, you can give online at uh, welcome to cfc.com. And if this goes a little too fast for you, if you're scrambling to get a piece of paper, don't worry. You can always pause it here on the video uh, later today. 
or you can uh, actually mail it through the uh, post office at post office box 1427, La Rosa, Louisiana 70373, or you can just drop it off Monday uh, from 9 to 2 right here. Uh, you can just honk your horn, we'll come running down and get it for you, from you if, you're, uh, if you don't want to get out your car like that. So again, we just want to uh, talk about that. Uh, now one thing I do want to mention is communion. Today is the first Sunday of uh, April, which is usually our communion day. But being uh, the way we are online right now, we're not going to do communion today. But being Easter Sunday, next Sunday, we are going to do online communion. I did uh, order, and we, they've come in as these communion cups, individually wrapped, uh, communion, the, the grape juice, and the wafer, individually sealed. Uh, starting tomorrow from 9 to 2, when the office is open, you could drive by and come pick up your communion supplies for next Sunday's uh, communion. So uh, again, uh, just let us know if, if you're going to be stopping by. We'll be there to hand them to you. If you don't feel safe getting out your car, you could open the window and we'll throw them to you. Whatever we could do. Amen. So that, that's uh, what I just wanted to mention there. So our communion, our uh, offering scriptures, I'm sorry, this morning is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For it says, we live by faith and not by sight. 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. And Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So if you have your offering, your tithe, I want you just to hold it in your hand and just repeat after me this morning. Say, as I give in today's offering, I have a vision to see beyond my present circumstances, beyond my present problems or crisis, beyond my needs and my desires. By faith, I see my God working on my behalf to open doors that have been shut, to open up my mind to new ideas and my heart to new passions. I give today with a great expectation uh, for my God to do the impossible. Amen. And how many of you know God is faithful? Amen. So those of you that are in here, we have the little birdhouse in the back that you could uh, put your offering in. We're, uh, we're not going to call ushers up this morning. But as we get ready to worship this morning, I want everyone in here just to stand on your feet as we get ready to worship. We're going to have our call to worship this morning. For April 2020, we're going to be reading from Psalms 100. This is from the message paraphrase. It says this. Verses 1 and 2, on your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. And every time I read that part, I think of Sister Hazel. I wish Sister Hazel was here because I, you'd hear that laugh from her. But we miss her and uh, her. And I want to say hello to Jessica Ross at this time. I forgot last week. And those that are watching online. But bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into his presence. And I love the way verse 4 reads in here with all technology today. It says, enter with the password. Thank you. In other words, enter into his praise with, with, uh, enter his presence with praise. That's how we do it. It says, make yourselves at home uh, talking praise. Thank him and worship him. So let's just get ready to worship this morning. Father, we just invite you in this place today. Father, we ask that your spirit 
would move here today as we worship, Father God, that your spirit invade each and every home, Father God, that is watching this morning, Father. I just pray that your spirit would be and presence would be felt in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen. Let's worship.
search the world but it couldn't feel me man's empty praise and treasures to fail are never enough then you came along and put me back together is now satisfied here in your love oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing better than you oh there's nothing nothing is better than you Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. I'm not afraid to show you. My failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place 
be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you, Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Your family, 
Amen, amen. He is so faithful. Amen. Those of you that are in here, you could be seated. Uh, Brother Dyer, if you'd go ahead and turn on the lights for us. Just want to, again, welcome everyone as we celebrate Palm Sunday and thinking about what's been going on in the world, what is going on in the world and everything. I, I felt God gave me a message this week entitled Jesus, the, Jesus, my king. Not Jesus, the king, but Jesus, my king. Because that's something we have to personally make a choice of, is are you going to let him be king of your life and things? And he is so faithful. And I just want to begin in prayer. And um, So if you would... Uh, Let's just pray. Father, I just come to you right now. Father, I just pray that as we get ready to study your word, Father God, that every blind eye be open today. Father, I pray that you give us eyes of the Spirit so that we could see the truths in your word. Father, I pray that you give us ears of the Spirit that we are able to hear the truths of your word today. Touch our minds that we could comprehend your word, Father God. And most of all, prepare our hearts, Father God to receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, Amen, Amen. If you uh, at home or in here, uh, I have everyone notes in here this week. But those of you at home, if you want, you could grab your Bibles, uh, turn to John chapter 12, start making your way there. That's where our main text is going to be. I'm going to be using several other texts this morning, but I'm just going to uh, let you turn there. Uh, get you a notepad, uh, ink pen, uh, take you some notes at home. I just want to begin by talking about what God had shared with me this week, kind of paralleling what we're going through, what the world's going through right now, and what happened 2,000 years ago on Palm Sunday. Christ was coming in to Jerusalem, and it was the people's last chance to make him king, to accept him as their king in their life. And there's uh, many things going on right now, and uh, many people don't realize that Jesus, although he was crucified, was very, very popular at one time. And in, in the, the time of Palm Sunday was kind of the peak of his popularity. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, this morning, but I just want to share that, you know, right now I'm so grateful as you watch Facebook, see on the news, see all these different things, how awakening has taken place and more people are lifting up uh, the Lord and Jesus and this thing going on. But then as I, as I equated to uh, our scriptures this morning, think about this, I felt the Lord spoke to me, he said, you know, uh, there are three types of people in this world. There are true believers, there are crisis believers, and there are those that don't believe at all and that never will. And a true believer is the one that's going to follow God through good, bad, and the ugly. In other words, he is God to them before the crisis, in the crisis, of the crisis, and after the crisis. Then you have what I would call a crisis believer. That, which I've kind of mentioned last week, is that God's always on the back burner of their life. 
but they have them like those emergency little glass boxes break in case of emergency. And that when they're going through a crisis, they call out to God in which God honors those things. But God says that today that he doesn't want to be just the, the God in the crisis and of the crisis. But he wants to make sure that he's God before the crisis in your life and that he's God after the crisis in your life, not just in the crisis. And we're going to see through Scripture today kind of what I'm talking about there. So this is just kind of laying down that foundation right there again. Today's message uh, is, as the world turns, Jesus my King. What are we going to do? As he entered Jerusalem, were they going to call him their king? Were they going to make Jesus their king? And so, again, two weeks ago, we started with a peace in the uh, uh Peace in the midst of the virus. We talked about that we can have peace. And last week we talked about that God can. That God can do whatever he, he chooses. And God's bigger than this virus. God's bigger than anything we're facing in life. But can I tell you that God wants us to seek him. God's happier than happy that everyone's calling out to him right now. But his problem is that when things are going good, that all stops. Think about that. That it's in the middle of crisis. And, and if you really think about the way Jesus prayed when, with the Our Father prayer when he was teaching people how to pray, his disciples asked him, how should we pray? Jesus says, pray for your what kind of bread? Daily bread. In other words, he, wanted, he was explaining to them not only physical bread to eat because man does not live by bread alone, and Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He was saying that we need to depend on God daily. We need a hunger for God daily. The hunger that is right now in the United States and across the world crying out for God, God says, I want you to be that hungry and that desperate for me in good times, not just in bad. He says, I, I want you to be that hungry for me, that desperate for me. That's why Jesus didn't pray, Lord, give us our monthly bread or our yearly bread. He says, no, I want you to be just as desperate and hungry today for me, and I'll come through for you today, and I want you to be just as desperate and hungry for me tomorrow, and I'll come through for you again tomorrow. God always wants us to believe and trust in Him. So I want, Brother Aaron, if you'd put this up again. Uh, where it says uh, faith and uh, fear. We've been using this, and I'm going to use the same three scriptures as we continue going through all these things today. But notice what it says. Faith and fear, both the man you believe in something you cannot see, and it's our choice to choose. <coughs> faith and fear. Fear is believing the worst. Faith is believing the best, according to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, it's so simple, but it's so hard. Anybody ever maybe helped your children with homework and uh, like, like you're the adult and you could see it so clear, especially like with math. You know, uh, sometimes kids, some kids struggle with math and uh, I used to help my kids and sometimes used to, <laughs> Michelle's raising her hand, I used to get out cookies and things and, and snacks and kind of explain, you know, so if I have five cookies and I take away two cookies, how many cookies do you have left? Then I'd eat the cookies, then we'd start with a new problem because you don't want to reuse cookies in math problems. So, uh, 
but you would get frustrated because it, it's so easy. It's so easy to see, but some, some people struggle with, with those things. And God's made it so simple. He says, all you have to do is believe. Not all, now, this is the key part. Not only believe in him, but believe him. That's a big difference. Believing in him. You see, I could believe in God and still worry. I could believe in God and still have anxiety. You see, I'm believing in God, but I'm not believing that, that he's got my back. I'm, more, I'm, more, I'm believing fear. I'm living in fear. I'm believing fear more than I'm believing him. Think about this. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That I have to believe. You see, so understanding, and this is, this is where, 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 where I could see God getting so frustrated with Scott sharing me. I'm talking for me and everybody, you know, everybody else. But we tend to believe a lie from the father of all lies, from the one who has no truth in him than believing the truth from the Father who cannot lie and does not lie. That's in Scripture. God is not man that he should lie. He cannot lie, nor will he lie. But yet we tend to not believe him, and we leave them, just like Adam and Eve, who they believe. The truth was from God. The truth is God. He will never believe in the where fear and worry comes in our life. So we need to understand. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. So here we go. I want to just share again. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. This is the message paraphrase. It says this. And my people, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and my people, my God defined people, he's talking about believers, respond. And I told you so I could finally get you guys to circle respond, because you got notes this morning. That that key word is respond. If if God's people will do these four things, he says. And the, the number one thing is what? Humbling yourself. If they would humble themselves, I mean, to kill and crush that pride and realizing what, what we're going to talk about even a little later today is realizing that we're not God. Now, and most of us would say, well, we realize that. Well, realizing that you're not God, realize that God is in control and not you. See, we like to in our prayer life, we're guilty, all of us, of telling God how we want it to be instead of saying, God, thy will be done. You see, the problem with, with what we're going through in life is God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In other words, God's, God, God works about an eternal purposes. We work and strive for just momentarily things. The Bible tells us that the troubles that we're going through are only momentarily, but that we're going to live in eternity. And God's purpose, although he cares about what we're going through each and every moment, his bigger goal is eternal promises. 
eternal things. So he says, I, I, we need to understand that it's, we have to submit to him, humbling ourselves, like God being in control. Second thing is praying and seeking his presence is the third thing. And then he, another thing he talks about is uh, repenting, turning your backs on their, on their wicked lives. We have to turn away from the sin in our life and walk to God. And he says, once you do these four things, he says, I'll be ready for you. I will listen from heaven, forgive your sin, their sins, and restore their land to health. Next uh, thing we, we talked about last week also was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, do not be anxious about what? Anything. What is anxious? Anxious is anxiety. Worried about believing the fear instead of believing God. And notice what it goes, how it goes on to say this. But in every situation, would that include coronavirus? Yeah. Okay, it includes that situation. It's in good, the bad, the ugly, and everything good. But it, it, is, it, it is in... God before the crisis, God in the crisis, and God after the crisis in all things. In every situation, he says, by prayer and petition. Petition is just another way of praying, asking God. He says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, we call out to him. Think about this for a second. Uh, let me read verse 7, then I'll, then I'll share again. And the peace of God, once you do this, the peace of God. Not your peace, not the world's peace. The peace of God which transcends all understandings. Notice what it does. It guards or protects your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That I can have peace in the midst of the storm. Think about the, the very first message I talked about, peace in the midst of the virus. I went to where Jesus and his disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee and a big storm came up. Where was Jesus? Snoring downstairs. Why? Because he wasn't worried about the storm. He knew that God's in control. His father's in control. He, in other words, he had peace in the middle of that storm. His disciples were freaking out. The boat was being swamped. And guess what? No matter how loud the lightning was, how much the, the stuff was flying all over the boat, the boat was rolling, the rocking, Jesus never woke up because he was in constant peace. But I do like what, what happened that he did wake up, how? What's the, what, what woke him up? The cry of his disciples. You see, we can have peace in the midst of the storm. We call out to him and he will answer. He's not, God's not panicked and wondering in heaven, what am I going to do in this situation? What are we going to do with coronavirus? Oh, oh, we need to call a board meeting in heaven. He already knows. He already knows the outcome, and, it, and he uses all things for the good. He's going to take this mess we're in, and we're going to come out better for it. Ephesians 3.20 says this, 20 and 21, Now to him who is able, and this is where we talked about uh, last week, God can. He is able, that means God can. Do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. That he's not limited to what we can ask or imagine or to what we understand. He could do immeasurably more. And I want you to understand that uh, according to his work that's in us, his power that's at work in us. I want you to understand that when you see that, 
that you could, again, bring back this picture. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. We are praying for a certain situation, but God says, I got such a bigger plan than that. My, my plan is so much bigger than what you're thinking. You're stuck in this momentary time you're going through, but I have an eternal plan for this situation that we're not aware of. So we pray to God and know that God can do all those things. He says, uh, all that more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And I love verse 21. It says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. And where it says, throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I always say, you know, sometimes people believe that the Holy Spirit quit working after the books of Acts. It was only for the book of Acts and that he only moves in those things. And God is still as alive today and still the Holy Spirit is still as much work today as in the book of Acts today. It says through generation to generation. So as we get ready to talk about Palm Sunday today, uh, what was going on and equated. I want you, again, if you have your Bibles open to John chapter 12, we're going to be getting there in a second. I want you to understand, as I try and parallel these two situations, what we're going through and uh, Palm Sunday, what was going through, for thousands of years, the Jewish people had been waiting for the promised Messiah. The, the salvation, to come and save them and rescue them. And how many of you know that we're waiting for this coronavirus to go away, right? We, we were hoping that on the 13th was when we could get out and it was going to be over. Then they extended it to the 30th or, or whatever, May 1st, wherever it's going to be. We don't know, but we're waiting and we're praying. We're waiting for God to destroy this thing. And we would like him to do it this second. But we don't know the big plan with God, his eternal plans for this. So I want you to understand again that at this time, Jesus was at the peak of his popularity. Okay, uh, as he's riding in, it's actually the week before Easter. On, uh, he's, he's riding in on Friday, Good Friday, he gets arrested, and then he's resurrected on uh next Sunday. So this is a week before, seven days before his resurrection uh, is taking place. And he, be, he is very popular <coughs> going, going through this. And this is what I want you to see. In John chapter 6, I know I told you to turn to John chapter 12, but we'll, we'll get there in a minute. I want you to understand John chapter 6, starting in verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed. Now what they're talking about is he had done many miracles before and he, the sign they're just talking about here is Jesus feeding 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. Now, I don't care if these were jumbo French breads. You're not going to do it with 5,000 people. And they, they see this, and I'll take a second and just explain. Jesus tested his disciples that way. If you really, it says, Jesus asked them, how are we going to feed these people? And it says that he was just testing his disciples. He already knew the answer. But then they started complaining, man, it's going to take a half year's wages. There, there's no place, you know, we, Amazon's closed today. Uh, we, we can't order all this, where we go? You know, uh, what are we going to do? But Jesus, notice, he took 
the two fish and the loaves, and he said, just give. And he, they had more than enough. Jesus was teaching them, just trust him. You know, we want to see, we, we wanted to see it, they wanted to see a truckload back up and, and uh, deliver. You know, they wanted to see Dufresne's Bakery backing up with all the French breads to give everybody. And uh, things, but God's, God says, trust. You need to trust them. And Jesus was testing them. So, again, for a second, if you don't think Jesus was popular, how come 5,000 people were following him? Think, and when I started thinking about that, you know, to try and get a gathering of 5,000 people right now is hard. Uh, besides coronavirus, you know, thing. But uh, we have social media. We have 24-hour news. All these ways of communicating with everybody. But look, they didn't even have TV back then, you know. Like, growing up as a kid, we had three TV stations. That, that You know how times have changed. But they had none of that. They didn't have a phone. They could not communicate except one another. And so... To, to have a gathering of 5,000 people leaving their homes, following you around the, the thing, you became very popular. Over time, they, they see these things. But notice what he goes on to say here. They began to say, because they seen, after he had fed them, they say this, surely this prophet, surely uh, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Notice what's happening. They're seeing the miracles, and because of what he's doing, they're following him. And this is what I want you to be careful uh, as believers, that we're not following God for what he could do or give us than, instead of following for him for who he is. And that's what we're going to see a little later on. Too many people are looking for God's hand, but not God. They want God's help but they really don't want God. Then it, this, it's verse 15 says, notice this, it says, Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, he was so popular in the day that he knew that they wanted to make him king and they were going to overthrow, try and overthrow the Roman government to put him in place. Because that's what they were believing was coming. They were believing that, and we're going to see in a moment, because uh, Moses had said uh, about how a prophet was going to be raised from their own and he was going to deliver them like Moses did. Okay, and so what did Moses do? Moses set the people, uh, the uh, Israelites, free from Egypt, the rule of Egypt and the Egyptians, and then what he done in the desert? He fed them. A big feeding going on. So they're seeing Jesus feeding them and doing everything Moses had done and saying, you know, this is the guy they were talking about. He's going to overthrow. They were, the Israelites were under the Roman government rule at that time, and they were believing that they would, this Messiah would come, and they were thinking only on earthly realm things, that he was going to set us free from under the oppression of the Roman government. That's what they were seeing. That's what they were believing for. But how many of you know God had a bigger plan? Right? Man's plan, God's people were just set us free from the Romans, but God was saying, I'm going to set, what my plan is to break the power of sin and death over your life. That's why Jesus is here. You see, but they, all they were praying for is just set us free from the emperor. 
just set us free from the Roman government. But God says, my plan's much bigger. I have much more in store. So look, look Deuteronomy 18.15. <coughs> this is what I was just talking about. Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. So as there, those that were familiar with Scripture are believing this. He, Jesus has been performing miracles. He's just fed. He's been doing what Moses did, and they're believing he's the one that's going to set us free from this government. And, and they're all happy and shouting, and they're believing and wanting Jesus to be their king for what he can do for them, not for who he is. Think about it. Earlier... Before he'd done all those miracles, wasn't he rejected by his own people? When he was just a carpenter. He went to do miracles in his hometown and they said, Isn't that Mary and Joseph's kid? He's nuts. And it says Jesus couldn't do miracles among his own people. He was rejected by them. But now that they're seeing miracles, they're beginning to accept him. Because of what he could do. So notice, uh, again, what, what I want to uh, talk about is that we have to be careful that we're not more interested in serving him for what he can do than serving him for who he is. Because that makes us that crisis believer. Yeah, I, I, want, I want what you could do for me, God, not so much you. And I was thinking of watching the news the other day. It was a great thing. And again, where the guy from, I call him Mr. Pillar. I don't know what's his name, but he's a Christian that has that pillar company thing that they make pillows. And he got up and he was talking about how he converted some of his manufacturing to make those masks for doctors and things in the United States. And he was applauded and people loved it. But at the end, he says, I'm going off script here. I want to encourage people to pray and read their Bibles. And not the people that were just there, but the media turned on him. All of a sudden, how dare you bring up you want people reading their Bibles and praying. You see, they didn't want no part to do with God. They, they love him for, for making mass, but don't you dare try and push God on us. So we have those three types of believers. We, you know, I, I, Jesus, I, I've titled this Jesus my king because in the good, bad, and ugly, I'm going to serve him no matter what. I'm not serving him for what he could do for me. You know, but, but when you serve him, there are the benefits of serving God, that God, he is, he is our uh, shepherd and he takes care of us, we his sheep. But it's not because of what he could do for me. It's I serve him because of who he is, for that relationship. John 1.11, which I mentioned a little while ago, part of this, it says, He came, Jesus came to that which was His own, but the, His own did not receive Him. And I mentioned about Him being a carpenter at that time. But how many of you know He was still Jesus then, as He was on Palm Sunday? He was still Jesus. He was the same person. And if we're not careful, we can make an image of God 
We can make an image for ourselves. The Bible talks about have no images of any other God than him. But we could also make an image of who we think he is and it not be truly who he is. See, because when he was the carpenter, that's not him. That's not what, he's not what we imagine him to be. So truly he is not Jesus the King. But when he changed the way he, what he was doing began miracles, then they started thinking, well, maybe he is the king. You, you see where I'm getting at? As a carp- we're rejecting you here, but we may accept you here because you're, tr- you're beginning to fit our image of what we have for you. And if we're not careful, we can make an image of God and say, you know, I, I say that all the time. People want to take parts of God's word. I love this. I love that. I don't like that. So that takes it out. Because I don't believe a God, a loving God would do this and say something like that. Well, if it's there is the truth. I can't pick and choose what I want of God. You know, it, it's not a Baskin Robbins where there's 48 flavors of God and you just choose the flavor you want. You get all of God or you take none of him. Y'all all right? <laughs> all right. So in John 12, we see that people are given the final opportunity as he's, Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem for them to accept him who he is. Now notice what's going on here. We'll start in verse 12. It says the next day, and what the next day is, Jesus had fed the 5,000, he, he, a couple of other things happened, and the night before is where Mary anointed his feet, wiped it with her hair, and Jesus was letting them know, his disciples started complaining, Judas, oh, uh, we could have done so much with the, with the amount of uh, money that was wasted on his feet, but Jesus was being anointed and prepared for his burial. He, it was symbolic of what was getting ready to happen. It says the next day, what kind of crowd? A great crowd. So again, think, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, he was crucified because he was so unpopular. That's not true. This was at the height of his popularity. And this is what I'm saying right now. Jesus in this Corona thing is at the height of his popularity. But I want to know what we're going to do with him after this crisis is gone. Are people going to just go back and put him on the back on the shelf again? Next crisis, I'll give you a call. Are you going to keep him Lord of your life? Is, is it? Oh. Let me get going. He says, The next day a great crowd that had come for the festival, what they're talking about is the Passover festival, had heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Uh, and notice what verse 13 says, They took palm branches, that's why it's called Palm Sunday, it's palm branches and went to him shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And what, what you need to understand is a palm branch in those days when they waved them and laid them down, was a symbol of victory. It meant victory. Hosanna was a Hebrew expression meaning save. In other words, they're saying, here comes our king. Here comes our savior. He's going to, he was coming to break the power of death and uh, sin off of people's life. But all they could think in their mind is, here comes the guy that's going to set us free from the Roman Empire. That's what they were seeing. And they were calling him their king. It goes on to say this. Blessed is, the, blessed is he who, these are the Jewish people crying this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the what? King of Israel. 
uh, Jesus was found on a young donkey and found a young donkey and sat on it. And this is what I want to talk about as he's coming on that uh, young donkey. The Roman empires must have thought it was a joke. They're looking. This, this is who we got to worry about. He's coming in on a. Which, hey, there you are. My wife loves my imitations of animals. <laughs> and they're saying this is a joke because a true king in earthly standards would be coming on a war horse, dressed for battle. We have nothing to worry about this guy. Now, some of the Jews kind of got what was going on, but most of them did not understand even what was going on. In their mind, again, he was coming and they were going to overthrow the Roman government at, at this time. Notice what he goes on to say. Um, As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's coat. And that is from Zechariah 9, 9 which I'll read to you right now. It says, this was a, a prophecy about him. It says, uh, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious. Remember the palm branches meet symbolizing victory. He's coming victorious, uh, but it says, lowly riding on a donkey on the coat of uh, the foal of a donkey. And what we need to understand is that only few of them that were familiar with that scripture knew what was truly going on. Now, as I was mentioning early, earlier, as the Roman people were looking at him coming on their donkey, I, I could picture them just like they were Goliath looking at David. He's not on a war horse. It's like the slingshot. That donkey's like that little slingshot. He can't do anything. What is he going to do to us? We don't have to worry about this guy. But little did they know that he wasn't coming to overthrow them. He was coming to bring peace on earth. He was coming to make peace with all mankind. That whoever would believe in him could have their sins forgiven. He was coming to destroy sin and death off of their life. If we jump to verse 16... It says this, at first his disciples did not understand all this. So think about this. It, he's coming on the donkey, they're seeing this, and there his disciples, his followers were confused. They didn't quite understand that it says until after the resurrection, only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had, to, had been written about uh, him and that these things had been done to him. So we need to understand that God has a plan that is always bigger than our plan. God's plan is beyond our understanding. Even his disciples did not understand what was going on. They thought he was a king coming in to overthrow the Roman government. They thought, you know, setting their people free. They thought that would be great. But God says, I got so much more than that. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And he says, you just want this to happen here, your earthly realm thinking. But I'm thinking of eternity. I'm going to make a way for everyone to repent 
and spend eternity in heaven. This entrance took place just days before his death and exactly one week before his resurrection. But I want you to understand as we're going to jump down to John chapter 19, verse 4, that all these people that were just shouting and throwing palm branches down in victory and shouting Hosanna means saving us, that he's coming to save us, that, uh, uh, that uh, here is the king of Israel, all of a sudden, in five days, they went from saying that when it became obvious to them when he was arrested that he was not going to be overthrowing the Roman government. In other words, the image we had of him and what he was going to do is not matching what he is doing. And in five short days, they went from calling him king to screaming, crucify him. Because he didn't do what they thought he would do. Their image of God, of what Jesus would come and do, did not match what their, their thinking was. And they turned. Notice what it says. Once more, Pilate came out and said to them, after he was arrested, he said to who? The Jews that were there. Who are the Jews that were there? The same Jews that were saying, Hosanna, throwing the palm branches and celebrating, you are the, our king. And Pilate said this, uh, look, I am bringing him out to you. Uh, know that, uh, that I find no basis for charge against him. In other words, he, ain't, he hasn't done anything wrong. He came in the town riding on a donkey. That's it. He says, I have no charge. He says, when, uh, when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe after he had been uh, they, they placed that on him. Pilate said to them, here is your man. And this is where I'm saying we're at today. Here is your man. In other words, he was saying, here's your Jesus. Are you going to make him your king? What are you going to do with this Jesus? And everybody that's worshiping and calling out to him right now in this crisis, I want to tell you today, you have to decide, what are you going to do with him? Are you only calling on him to bring an end to the crisis? And then life's going to go back to normal? You're going to go back doing the same old thing? Which, in other words, is basically rejecting him. Because I don't care what you say, the gospel tells me that if I accept him and he is my Lord, that he says that you are bought with a price to live a life worthy of the calling that he has placed on you. Ephesians tells us that, we ha that God has plans for your life that he has uh, made for you that he wants you to do. So there are things with life. In other words, after you're born again, life has to change. So what are you going to do with this man? Here's the man that says, as, verse 6 says, As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify him. But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. For me, as for me, I find no basis of charge against him. And although Jesus had fulfilled prophecy after prophecy about himself it, it, from the Old Testament, performed many miracles, because, but was ultimately rejected because he was not who they thought or imagined in their head he would be. 
And that's where we find ourselves today. Is what are we going to do with this Jesus? For me, Jesus is my king. The good, the bad, the ugly. Jesus is my king in the crisis. Jesus is my king of the crisis. Jesus was my king before the crisis. And Jesus is going to be my king after the crisis. It's not just in the crisis. And America, this is what I appeal to you. Make him Lord of your life today. But after the crisis is over, keep him Lord of your life. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you this opportunity here right now. And I'll explain more about it next week for Easter Sunday. But I just ask you, just say this simple prayer and invite Christ into your heart today. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I admit that I fall short in many areas of my life. But I believe that you love me so much that you sent your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I accept that forgiveness as salvation is a gift from God through faith that we receive that gift of salvation right now. And Father, help me to live a life worthy of the calling and the price that was paid for my life. We thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember, make Jesus your king before crisis during crisis and keep them king after the crisis it's funny and i love how all through the united states people are showing up to worship in hospital uh, parking lots and all those things and i was thinking you know the, the we are told we we cannot gather like that and we are to obey our governing authorities but the, in a way, it almost shows our rebellion as a human race. That you know what? Those same hospital beds, ICU units, had people dying in them before the coronavirus. Think about that. They're going to have people dying in them after the coronavirus. As believers, we should carry on this throughout good and bad, lifting them up in prayer. And, and again, out of our rebellion is, you know, when you tell your child not to do something, isn't that the thing they're going to struggle with most? That's what they want to do. And right now we're told we can't. But when we can, oh, we're going to keep on. You know, it's, we can't, people cannot come to the house of God right now. And it seems like now this is the place they want to be the most. But when you can again, are you going to become? You know, we have to understand and work through this. We work with our public officials. We obey what they said. It, you know, they're not telling, and I'm, I'm just going to go off on this for a second to help people. They are not telling us we cannot worship God. That you are banned from worshiping God. That's a totally different subject than what's really going on. We are told that we cannot gather for the spread of this disease. And it is. We have to be careful. You know, we pray and we listen to them. We are not banned from worshiping. You could worship at home. That's, I'm so thankful for online services that we can worship like this, that we could still reach into your homes and, and be together, although we're not together. We're all together separate right now. 
right, uh, in the things. But the government is not telling us that we cannot worship. It's just gathering, right? So we understand and we want to listen to them. And again, the, the more we do, the sooner we can get back. So hopefully the first Sunday in May, this place will be packed. We'll be able to worship again together. Next week, again, is Easter Sunday. We'll have communion cups for you, communion for you to come pick up tomorrow from 9 to uh, 2. Um, so you could take communion online with us next week. Or if you just prefer, get your own little crackers or things. You're more than welcome for that. But we have 200 of them. So uh, first come, first serve on that. Okay. Well, God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Amen. God bless you.